I'm Hannah Garland, mom, wife, formerly overwhelmed human being, and I believe in living an uncommon life. In my uncommon life, I know I'm not meant to be a perfect person, but I am meant to be a peaceful one, free from anxiety and unrest. In pursuit of this purpose, I live intentionally, making choices to take care of myself, simplify all facets of my life, be vulnerable, and trust in God. Do you feel like it takes every ounce of your energy just to barely get through each day? Too often people, especially wives and moms, feel chronically anxious and unwell because they don't devote time to understanding what would truly bring them peace and joy. Meanwhile, they go through the motions and miss out on what matters most. I want to invite you to stop surviving and start thriving. Learning to thrive can be a simple notion. Sometimes it does look like just getting through the day, but with a little more peace and fulfillment. Ultimately, your uncommon life will look different than anyone else's. My goal is to empower you with the knowledge and confidence to make choices for yourself that are against the grain and might not always make sense, but are beneficial for your mind, body, and soul. This is your uncommon life. Start living it. I'm going to get long-winded today. It's a curse. Sorry. In my old job, I was only ever good at writing something in three words or 5,000 words, nothing in between. I'm either way too brief or way too loquacious. If you're going to TLDR this, then I'll tell you that the main point of today's podcast is that you should never do what other people or culture expects you to do because you'll end up unfulfilled. If you stick around and listen, you'll see what I mean by an uncommon life and learn the importance of taking time to figure out what you want your identity to be and what you want your legacy to be. People feel fulfilled when their identity is correctly placed, but it takes time to discern what your identity is. It's not usually something people consciously choose, though you can, and that's what we'll talk about today. Usually, your identity is a weird combination of things you were told about yourself, things you see in culture, and things you subconsciously absorb throughout your life. If someone asked you what yours is today, you're likely to answer with your occupation. You would say, I'm a nurse, or I'm a teacher, or you might say, I'm a stay-at-home mom. This is a symptom of workism. American culture places such a premium on work and title that people never question why they include work as part of their identity. But work is circumstantial and often temporary relative to the duration of our lives. If we fold work into our identity, we're doomed to end up feeling unfulfilled as our work circumstances inevitably let us down as they shift over time. I'm going to propose that you stop being a passive participant in your identity. Your identity can include things you've absorbed throughout your life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to go deeper and analyze what makes up who you are and why you do what you do. If you understand this, you'll start to understand your motivations and tap into being a more effective and more responsible person overall. You can better understand your identity when you know your purpose and values. Soon, I'll do a podcast series on how to define these, leveraging knowledge I've gained when I used to help corporations understand their purpose and values and their vision and mission. The concept of identity is tied to where we place our values, so I'm going to discuss both of those today. Quick example to help explain this. If I identify as a stay-at-home mom, then I gain value from doing it well. I'm going to feel like a failure if I'm not doing a great job momming at home today, and I'm going to feel lost when my kids leave the house. I need to define my identity in something broader, deeper, and less circumstantial in order to feel more fulfilled and understand my motivations. Identity is also tied to our legacy, meaning what memory of yourself you want your children and grandchildren to have of you after you die, and what you want them to learn and gain from you. This is something that's been on my heart the last few years as I worked through my own issues of misplaced value and identity. My identity struggle relates to work, and I imagine I'm not alone in that. 
Specifically, I fell prey to the dangers of putting too much stock and value into what I did for work every day, regardless of my role or the company I was in. For some of you, your identity might be in your job, your education, your upbringing, the way you look, or some other achievement of yours. None of these are inherently bad things to draw value from, but if they don't match with the legacy you want to leave this world, and if you lose your sense of self and fulfillment when you fail at that thing, then you could end up quite dissatisfied in life. Since my struggle centers around work, that's where I'm going to focus today. As you listen to my story, I hope you'll think of something in your life that you place too much value in, because this is a symptom of a misplaced identity. At the end of the podcast, I'll share some tips on how to redefine your identity if you need to. I should share a bit of my philosophy on work in general first. The idea that we need to love our jobs, that is, love the tasks and the day-to-day work that we do and get some sort of fulfillment from it, is a modern notion and it is breeding dissatisfaction that is rampant throughout our society. In reality, a job is an economic exchange. It gives you a means to an end. You exchange time and labor or a service in exchange for dollars. A job is a way to finance the life that you need and that you want. For a rare few, a job is their main objective in life, and it is what they want to be remembered for. I'm not knocking that at all, as long as you're consciously making that choice and are aware of the ramifications of it. But that's my main point. We should consciously analyze what we want our legacy to be and make choices that help us obtain that. Since a job is just a means to finance your legacy and doesn't matter for eternity, then it should be unemotional. When you clock off or close your laptop or leave your last meeting of the day, you should set aside work and move toward the things in your day that really matter to you. Now, all of that being said, if you're the kind of person who loves their job, then that's wonderful. I'm super happy for you. You're lucky. This podcast is for everyone, including you. It's about figuring out what matters most to you and orienting your life around that thing. This is about getting to a place where you're at peace with how you spend your every day, regardless of your finances. We're going to review my mistakes, what I learned the hard way. I've always struggled with needing to control things to an unhealthy extent. It's affected me physically, given me an unwelcome relationship with panic attacks and a crippling desire to overthink and overanalyze a lot of choices. In relationships, it causes me to be easily frustrated. And in life, I end up being too rigid with my plans and my routines. What's worse, I've never been too effective at the things I try to control. It's almost like I'm not meant to succeed without God. More on that later. My perspective about work started when I was young. As a kid, I decided that I needed to make more money than my parents when I grew up. Of course, I didn't understand that pretty much everyone makes more money than their parents when they grow up. That's just like how inflation and economics works. But what I really wanted and didn't know how to conceptualize at the time was that I did not want to struggle and I did not want my life to be stressful. You see, I watched my mom count every penny, spend one full day a week cutting coupons and meal planning down to each can of food. While I praise her amazing ability to make a working class income feed six people, I also saw the stress it caused her. She seemed enslaved by her tasks, and it caused her so much stress and anxiety, which transferred to us children. I hated seeing her that way. I wanted better for my life. As a child, I thought the solution was just to make more money. But as you'll see throughout this podcast, that pursuit only caused me more anxiety. I learned after years of trial and error that what I really needed was a different perspective on my situation. I needed to shift my objective toward living a more peaceful existence, regardless of my financial situation. Right before I graduated, I started a job that would pay more than my dad made after 30 years of working. Employment was contingent on me graduating. I thought, this is it. I made it. I'm set. 
Being a foolish kid, I actually stopped going to college classes halfway through my last quarter to focus on this job. I thought I had it made and was in control of everything and doing great at it, by the way. (laughs) More on these stupid choices in another podcast where I go deep into my quite literal come to Jesus moment. But, oh man, you guys, I could write a story, like I could write an entire novel about just my stupid choices. The painful conclusion of these poor choices was that I didn't qualify to graduate, so I lost my job after nine months. I hadn't saved any money, so I lost my apartment, and I had to go back to waiting tables because I needed to make money to pay for school again. I was in the worst spot financially I had ever been and have been since. I was embarrassed to be waiting tables and tried to avoid telling people about what my job was or what I was doing. The painful conclusion of these poor choices was that I didn't qualify to graduate, so I lost my job after nine months. I hadn't saved any money, so I lost my apartment, and I had to go back to waiting tables because I needed to make money to pay for school again, and the only job I qualified for was waiting tables. I was in the worst spot financially I had ever been and have been since. I was embarrassed to be waiting tables and tried to avoid telling people about my job or what I was doing. This is the first lesson I received in how storing up my treasures in earthly things and putting my hope and identity in a degree and in a job in these intangible material things was unstable ground and would lead to disappointment. You would think this was enough for me to change everything, but nope, I'm a slow learner. Instead, all I learned was to always have a saving safety net and to stay out of debt. Other than my mortgage, I haven't been in debt since, and we'll talk about that in a podcast in the future as well. Fast forward five years, and I was married. I had a great job at a giant e-commerce company that was sucking the life out of me. I won't name the company. You can probably guess it. One of my bosses had taken my work and billed it as her own publicly and made it challenging for me to succeed. I felt betrayed. My next boss voluntold me. That's where you're volunteered for something without your consent. Volen told me for a project that required me to give my mornings, evenings, and weekends every day for almost three months. I was depressed. I wasn't the person I wanted to be when I got home. I took it out on my husband, and I didn't see the situation improving. And yet, I stayed. I stayed for too long for the wrong reasons. This is where I get ugly and honest about my pride. I liked being able to tell people where I worked. It stroked my ego. It was a far cry from waiting tables, so I was quite proud of myself. I liked having a good income. The control it gave me over my life was comforting. Furthermore, I believed that this was the defined path in life. I thought success required struggle and that you should always push forward in your career, even at the expense of your own mental health and happiness. Meanwhile, I didn't trust my husband or God to provide. Instead, I came home every night and cried. It felt like my soul was crumbling while I was devoting all of my energy to a thing that was meaningless. And I knew it was meaningless but I couldn't let go because I thought what I did mattered a lot. You guys, if the thing you've poured your identity and worth into is causing you to be a bad person, to hurt people around you, or to neglect yourself in any way, then that thing is toxic for you. End it. We suffer at the hands of work too much in America because we have a workism culture, but other things can cause this suffering too. If you place your identity in having a great body, you might neglect people you love to exercise more and avoid social gatherings that have food. Or if you place your identity in having a great home, you might lash out at family members who make messes and neglect self-care in favor of home care. You will know if something matters too much to you if it causes you great frustration and angst when that thing is out of order. Back to my crummy job. My husband was continually encouraging me to just quit and try something else I would like more. After a while of working nights and weekends, I finally listened to him and quit. 
I thought I could fix my problem by just picking a job I liked. I thought that it wasn't that my identity was misplaced. It was that my job sucked. It was all the job's fault, right? Of course. I vowed then and there to quit any job that infringed on my home life in the future. See, I'm a slow learner. So I took a nanny job while I studied to do real estate. The nanny job was fine. According to my own rules and logic, it should have made me feel better, but I wasn't at peace with it. I hadn't gotten to the root of my identity issues yet. The whole time I nannied, I told people, I'm a nanny, but I'm getting my real estate license. Like, hey guys, I've got this other thing, right? It's, it's much better than being a nanny, right? It was important to me that people thought I had a, quote, real job. Then, a few months later, I started to work at my church to supplement my real estate income, and I did the exact same thing. I only told people that I did real estate. The church job just didn't stroke my ego. It didn't pay that well. And the work itself wasn't that interesting to me. This is a shame in hindsight because that job fed my soul more than any job I've ever had. I made less money than I had in years, but it was such a good calming place for me to spend my days. God handed me what I needed for peace on a silver platter. Well, maybe not like silver, silver, because it didn't pay that well, but like a good solid stainless steel platter that will last a few decades. And I ignored his gift and kept making choices based on money and ego and what I thought the world expected me to do. So I believed the lies that I was telling myself, and I left after a year. I was offered a chance to go back to the corporate world, and I took it because it offered more money than I'd ever made before. So it seemed like the logical choice, right? We should always want more money. That job quickly turned into the most stressful job I've ever had. It regularly had what we'd call fire drills that required this panic response and hours of overtime. Meanwhile, I didn't follow my own rule and quit a job if it made my home life suffer. Learning from my mistakes. Don't let things matter more than your primary relationships. I was not the wife I needed to be. My husband and I fought constantly, and I didn't have the time or energy to nurture our marriage. Other than exercise, I did nothing good for myself. I didn't spend time in the Word or in community with friends or at church, and I was generally just unhappy. I wanted to leave, but I stayed because, once again, I was lured by money and the ego stroke it gave me. If someone asked me what I did, I felt like I could say that I did something significant at work, and therefore that must have said something significant about me. This is the lie we tell ourselves, right? Meanwhile, my husband made enough money to support us and kept encouraging me to find a job that didn't wear me down so much. But I felt stuck. Wouldn't it be an illogical choice to leave the highest paying job I'd ever had? And for what? I didn't have any other job interests, and I felt like I needed to be productive. I hadn't yet learned that being productive doesn't mean going to a 9 to 5 every day. I feel like God reaches me through dramatic moments, because otherwise I just don't listen and I don't learn. After one and a half years of that job, I suffered a miscarriage that shook my world. My husband and I were still fighting a lot, and that miscarriage caused a lot of physical pain and a depression that loomed for months after. I said this in the last podcast, and I'll say it again here, I will definitely dig into this period of my life in a different podcast or a blog because I came out of that experience with a strong belief that I need to remove the stigma around miscarriage by sharing my story with people who will listen. But I'm going to get into that in another thing, I promise. Two months after the miscarriage and 10 years after screwing up my first post-college job, I finally experienced a dramatic mindset shift. I was still working too much and hating my life, and I went to a woman's retreat where I discussed all of my woes, my marriage, my job, my mental health, etc., and I expected to get clarity on how to make everything I was doing work better somehow. We're supposed to have it all, right? Um, I 
hate the phrase have it all because your all looks different than anyone else's and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I walked away from that retreat with some wonderfully direct advice from a woman there. I kept saying, I can't just quit. I don't have a job lined up. I need to make sure I keep working. And she was like, why? Work doesn't have to be in an office. What's wrong with not going into an office every day? I thought that I had to keep working because only moms get to stay at home, right? And I wasn't a mom. I had just had a miscarriage. She kept pressing me and asking, why does that matter? It forced me to really think about why I'm still working and what I've made matter in my life. Why I'm allowing myself and my marriage to suffer under this weight of a horrible job. It suddenly clicked for me. It boiled down to me putting my worth and identity into something temporary and material and not trusting God. I had to have the shiny nice job that paid well and took care of me. I had to be in control. But every time I tried to get in control, I sucked at it and every other facet of my life suffered. This was the same problem I'd always had. I had never let go of control and trusted God. My attempts at control had always left me frustrated and anxious, so something needed to change right now. I was so compelled by this realization and felt this tug on my heart to quit immediately, with nothing lined up at all. I felt a sudden imperative to be okay with telling people that I didn't go into an office every day. I quit within two weeks of that retreat. This was a momentous decision for me because it was the first time I relinquished control. I didn't know what my next step would be, and I truly wanted God to guide me to the next one. I didn't know if or when I would ever work again. I just knew that I was not obeying him if I stayed at my job because my reasons for being there were not right. See, it's not that my job was wrong or evil. It's that my heart and intentions weren't right and it was destroying me. I wanted to be in control of my career. I wanted to have a cool sounding job. I wanted to feel important. And I wanted to make more money than I actually needed. Money and being in control are also not ultimately evil, but I had let them take too great of a place in my life. And the only way I could remove the roots of that pride in my life was by removing the temptation entirely. Finally, I was in a position to be quiet and still and wait for God. And if you're not Christian, maybe waiting for God doesn't make sense for you. But what it boils down to is this. Figure out your real reasons and intentions for doing things. This is something we can all relate to. Once I was removed from the constant grind of work, which occupied my brain and shut out my own ability to reason, I was able to think about my whys. Why did I work at all? Why did I have the jobs I had when I hated them and came home miserable every day? Why did I want to be a mom? Why did I want a different house? Why was I involved in the activities I was involved in? What kind of person did I want to be anyway? Have you ever stopped and thought deeply about these kinds of questions? Though I wasn't working, it was important for me to be productive. And I quickly learned what productivity actually looks like. It doesn't look like the money you earn or the title you have. It looks like how intentional you are with your time. And this was meaningfully mind-blowing to me. I stopped caring that I wasn't working in an office and started becoming productive in non-monetary ways. My work became my yard, which had been completely neglected as a not-even mode for years. I described it as a weed forest. I spent hours every day transforming the weed forest into something that was at least presentable. Once a week, I went on a long hike somewhere in the mountains because I'm blessed to live near the mountains and nature is grounding and awe-inspiring. I hardly watched TV because I was so busy, but it was the good kind of busy. I felt at peace in my productivity and at peace with my role as a worker in the home. I knew I was doing the right thing, and I wasn't on a timeline. I was just waiting for God to tell me what's next. I was figuring out my reasons and my whys. I wasn't impatient or anxious. It just felt right. This is when I came up with the idea of an uncommon life. 
I was living counterculturally and making uncommon choices that I thought were detrimental, but once I made them, I was more at peace than I'd ever been in my life. When's the last time you took the pressure off of yourself and internalized the fact that you can't control everything and looked around you and figured out what matters most and oriented your entire life around that thing? This season of life was eye-opening for me. I had to step back from the chaos and distraction of a toxic work environment to see what really mattered to me and figure out my whys. I knew I desperately wanted to be a mother and planned to be a stay-at-home mom whenever I was blessed with children. I wanted to set myself up to be the best mother I could be. Well, okay, what did that look like? At first, I had no clue, maybe like making cookies or something, (laughs) but it became more clear as I started taking more actions toward prioritizing and simplifying my life. For example, I was involved in an activity that had always caused tension in my marriage. For the first time in years, I stepped back and I asked myself why I was doing it. Why was I still doing it if it was such a negative influence? Was it worth the damage it caused? I loved this hobby and it wasn't a bad thing to be doing, but right or wrong, my husband and I had always fought about it. And instead of continuing to try to win this fight, I quit the hobby. I quit because I valued a peaceful marriage more than a hobby. I started to spend less time with people who weren't really my friends and weren't supportive of my choices. As my life started moving toward a more streamlined and peaceful existence, I had headspace to devote to some deep thinking. I started to ask myself what kind of life I wanted to give to my future kids. Instead of more money or not having to struggle, which is what I had wrongfully pursued since I was a child, I realized that I wanted them to be raised in a peaceful home with a mom who was not stressed out all the time. This wasn't a money thing. This was a mindset thing. That realization fueled all of my other priorities. How do I make every aspect of my life peaceful so I can be the best mom I can be? Ultimately, I ended up orienting all of my choices and my outlook around this core objective of peace. And bingo, I had stumbled upon my identity, my value, and my purpose. I'm meant to be peaceful. This is not circumstantial. This is not temporary. This is a lifelong pursuit, and I can pursue it regardless of where I live or what job I have. After five months out of work, I decided to return to my old job, but the way I reacted to work problems had dramatically shifted over those five months. Not that I didn't have bad days or backslide, but for the most part, things just didn't really bother me. This was an intentional mind shift because I had decided months earlier that all I wanted to be in life was a peaceful person, and I had spent months working toward that objective. Now everything else felt inconsequential by comparison. My old boss even noticed that my feathers weren't ruffled as easily by work stress anymore, and I just told him, well, that's because none of this really matters for my life. The root of the problem wasn't the job. It was me. I still believe in leaving toxic work environments, if at all possible, but I believe even more deeply in getting to know yourself and defining your identity and value first. I quit the job for good when my son was four months old, and I feel zero regrets about this choice. My identity is now a person who wants to be peaceful and create a stress-free home. That is how I want my children to remember me. I want people to feel the peace when they step into my home. I place value into doing this well. This will be my legacy. I'm still working on it. I have days where I screw up, some where I screw up a lot, but it's my vision and mission for my life. How can you apply my learnings to your life and hopefully define your identity with a little less pain than I had? You want to know how to not get bogged down by the rat race of modern society? Want to know how to unload stress? You can streamline your existence by having a singular purpose. I'm aware that I'm uniquely blessed with the ability to enter and exit jobs as I please because my husband has a good income and is supportive of my whims. Not everyone is blessed in this way, and not everyone can or wants to quit their jobs. 
My goal isn't to get you to quit unless you are able to and need to do so. My goal is to get you to see how you can get to a place where you can feel fine, regardless of work, because work is not your legacy. Work is not your purpose. All you have to do is give yourself space to figure out what you want your legacy to be. How do you want your kids to remember you? What kind of person do you want to be? Not what do you want to do, what kind of person do you want to be? What is your core objective in life? Maybe you've been struggling with depression and right now you just want to be healthy. Then orient your entire life around what it would take to get you well. Maybe you don't want to have any bitterness toward your husband or other people anymore. Then attack your bitterness and work on forgiveness and let nothing stop you until you are at peace in your relationships. Maybe you want to be a generous person in your community and you want that to be your legacy. Then do everything you can to help others with your time and resources. Orient your life around your objective and do it with zeal. Have a laser focus and cut out the things that get in the way and only add unnecessary stress. Cut out the things you've been doing that take you away from being the kind of person you need to be. I needed months away from working to clear my head and reprioritize in order to figure out what I wanted my identity to be and what mattered most to me. Maybe, and hopefully, you can figure things out in a different way and faster. But you might need some time and mental space to figure it out. And you might not figure it out in one day. If you can, take time off work and go to a cabin for the weekend and just sit with yourself. Don't watch TV. Don't go on your phone. Spend time in nature and spend time alone journaling, praying, meditating. Your objective with this time off is to figure out what matters to you and how to orient your life around it. If your circumstances don't make it easy to get away, which is true for most of us, then just try to find quiet time in some other way. This could be 30 minutes a day to walk or journal if that's all your life offers you. Journaling doesn't have to be weird either. Just start writing. Some days I'll just write, I don't know what to do, or I don't know what to write. But then the words start flowing from there. Also, work on your mental focus. Once you figure out what kind of person you want to be and what you want your legacy to be, your life won't change in one day. It might take years. It might be a lifelong work. It'll shift slowly as you make small changes daily. Life is made of mundane moments, though, and it takes a permanent mental shift to address all of your mundane moments. So think about how you can meditate every day. Does this look like prayer for you? Does it look like meditation? Maybe it's affirmations or something you write in your journal. If you reset your heart and mind to focus on this new objective daily, your choices and actions will start to fall in line. You'll start to be more conscious of the things you have been doing that help or don't help you be the person you need to be. Finally, I have a special message for those of you who are blessed enough to not be a primary breadwinner. If you're working and work is making you miserable and you do not have to be at that job in order for your family to survive, I strongly recommend you take a long, hard look at why you're working. Could you move to part-time, change industries, or quit altogether? This might be required for you to give yourself enough headspace to figure out what actually matters. It is important that you do not waste your life that you don't keep getting stuck in the same loop like I did, and that you feel at peace with the decisions you make. For me, my perspective around work was holding me back. For you, it might be something else, like a toxic relationship or a bad habit. The point is, change your heart attitude. Seek your core objective, and let the unnecessary parts of your life fall away. Don't ever do things because it's what other people or culture expects of you if it distracts you from being a good, peaceful person. Stick to your identity. Know your worth, know what you place your value in, and make sure you're okay with what you're putting your value in. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you like the podcast, the best way you can help out is to subscribe and leave a review. 
You can visit my website, youruncommonlife.com, to read blogs, find podcast transcripts, and more. Please join my Facebook group, Your Uncommon Life, to join a community of supportive people. Have a great day.